Once You Know, You Know, a podcast for busy women to level up their health and fitness so that they can get off the diet merry-go-round for good. This is real lessons from real women and industry professionals on how you can improve your health and fitness habits and discover just how incredible your body is and is designed to feel. I'm Lindsay Parkinson and I'll be your host. I'm a qualified personal trainer, Pilates instructor, yoga teacher and nutrition coach. Each week I'll be bringing you a brand new episode, either interviewing a beautiful and inspiring woman who is sharing her story with you, answering your questions or just tackling some of the more confusing issues and concepts that crowd out the health and wellness industry. All right, let's get stuck into the episode. Welcome to the very first episode of Once You Know, You Know. I'm so excited to bring you this project because it has been my absolute mission over the past three years to help as many women as possible find out how good their body is designed to feel, find a new level of body confidence that doesn't require overtraining, undereating, or extreme restriction. It took me 17 long years, my friend, to work this out. And once I found out, there was absolutely no way I was going to keep it to myself. In fact, I actually quit my job in finance to coach women full time because when you know that there's a different way, you know, there's no going back to that land of restriction. Now, I remember the first time that I became body aware, self-conscious even. I was only 14 years old, a very common age for us to start noticing the changes in our bodies. But I hadn't really, up until this point, really thought anything about my body. Everything sort of seemed to do what it was supposed to do. And it wasn't until it was summer holidays and we were going swimming at the pool with a bunch of our school friends, boys and girls. And I put on my cool Roxy bikini that I got for Christmas. And I looked at myself in the full length mirror. And then I slowly glanced down out of the corner of my eye. I'm not sure whether it was a dolly or a girlfriend magazine, but I happened to look at it. And then I looked at myself and then I realized I didn't look anything like the girl on the cover. There was two girls on the cover. They were wearing their cool bucket hats. They were all like tanned and they were looking super fit and thin. And I was just looking at myself and I was like, oh, you look a lot different to that. And I started to really think, oh, maybe I'm not supposed to look like this. I didn't really understand that that particular point I was – just getting my period for the first time. I didn't know that I was going to accumulate a little bit of extra body fat entering that particular phase in my life. I didn't really understand all the changes that came with that particular time. So all I did was become really, really embarrassed. And I quickly ran into my sister's bedroom. I grabbed some sort of like cover up, put on my denim skirt, and I decided for that day that I wanted to be skinny. So that would require me just not eating. So I decided not to eat for the day. And I got to the pool and I felt really, really awful. I was hungry and all I could think about was food. It was really hard for me to enjoy myself. And I was comparing myself to all the other girls at the pool thinking, oh gosh, you just don't look like any of those girls. You've got to start getting fit. You've got to start thinking about how you're going to do this. And I was starving. I was so starving that by 2 p.m., I ran over to McDonald's, I got myself a double cheeseburger meal and a six pack of nuggets and completely inhaled the whole thing. And then I said to myself, well, I guess it's probably okay because I didn't eat breakfast. So it probably evens out, not knowing that I had consumed a very large amount of energy and I probably would have consumed less had I just eaten breakfast and lunch. However, you don't know what you don't know. And that, my friends, wasn't me just dipping my toe into the diet culture pool. It was diving in headfirst and I did not get out for many, many years. And I really hope that this podcast helps you get out of the diet culture off the merry-go-round a whole lot quicker than that because it didn't stop after that. It was just this slow progression of trying one diet after another, maybe like yourself or maybe like a lot of the women that I had uh, have worked with, is that 
we just keep going round and round in circles, not understanding why things don't work out. So in today's episode, I'm going to talk about three reasons why it can be really difficult to stick to a weight loss protocol long-term and why maybe things haven't worked out in the past. Okay. So the first one is going to be unrealistic expectations and quick fixes. Now we don't necessarily know that they're a quick fix or that they're not going to work out for us long-term. And that is because the allure of fad diets and miracle weight loss products are tempting because it looks like it happens really quickly. But what we don't really understand is that they're not sustainable. They're not things that we can do long-term because they often involve deprivation, restriction, and then that's followed by disappointment when the results don't last. Now, this has a lot to do with the influences in the media. Much like my girlfriend slash Dolly Magazine situation, we are presented every day in a number of different ways with images and stories of either dramatic fat loss or transformations, comparisons, all with often very unrealistic uh, portrayals of what's achievable for us. Now, I'm going to use these people as an example, and I'm not having a dig at them whatsoever, but the Kardashians are people that we see in the media all the time, love them or hate them. They have a different set of parameters to most people. Now, when somebody like Kim Kardashian is pitted as losing lots and lots of weight, most people speculate whether, oh, was it a Zempic? You know, does she work out 10 hours a day? And one of the things that I really didn't like was that when she decided to change her body composition for her Met Gala dress where she dressed up as Marilyn Monroe, she told people about the protocol that she undertook. And that was an extreme restriction, wearing sauna suits, all sorts of different things. What really bothered me about it is that she shared the protocol without probably saying, I did this under medical supervision. She has a number of people that she works with, most likely a nutritionist, a chef, a personal trainer, and probably even a general practitioner as well that would have been monitoring the what she was doing was say for the interim time that she did that for. Now, what she actually then presented to people that might follow on her platform is that she cut out like, you know, X, Y, Z, and then she ended up with this result. But then she also shared that as soon as that event was finished, that she had, you know, donuts and pizza, and that then creates this restriction reward mentality, and that is normalized. Unfortunately, people like that in our society, celebrities, are idolized and looked up to, and people tend to favor the same habits that they have. So that then spread the message to a bunch of women, go for restriction, then reward. That is not a healthy or sustainable way to do things. It also really doesn't explain that she has a lot of funds at her disposal. While she's being able to train for X amount of hours a day and she has a chef that prepares all of her meals and doing all those bits and pieces, she doesn't have to do her own washing. She doesn't have to drop her kids off to school. She has a bunch of other things at her disposal that gives her the time to put in that kind of effort. Now, when we're talking about people that have different set of parameters, say, for example, a mum who works part-time with three kids, you're not going to be able to do all of those things or do them sustainably or maybe even helpfully. The same thing is to be said for you know somebody who works full-time but doesn't have any kids. We all have a different set of parameters to work with. So it's really important to make sure that we are consistently telling ourselves that Instagram is a highlight reel. I know they say that all the time, but you need to repeat it to yourself to remind you that even though you see that influencer on Instagram, you know, with what you aspire to be as maybe the physique that you would like, remember their parameters are going to be entirely different to yours and you need to take that into consideration. Another thing that I don't particularly like about the uh, social media landscape is that there can be a lot of fitfluencers or a lot of health influencers that don't give you, much like the Kim Kardashian thing, a lot of context about how they achieve something or what their own goals are. 
There is a particular international nutritionist who does a lot of what I eat in a day is nutritionist videos. And while I think that you can get some really good meal inspiration from them, I don't think that people understand that the amount of energy that she might be consuming is good for her, her current physique, her goals, and what she's trying to achieve versus if somebody else wants to maybe change their body fat composition, potentially following that protocol or what she eats in a day could actually be a calorie surplus for them. So if they followed everything that she did and applied it to their own life, but maybe they don't have the same training routine or maybe they're not of a similar stature or muscle mass, they're going to have an entirely different outcome. And I just wish we could put a little disclaimer on each of those things and realize that is for her goals, for her weight, for whatever she's trying to achieve. That isn't a one size fits all that needs to be applied to everyone. And I hope one day that we reach the point where social media does that because the more we learn about that, the better off we're all going to be. It's great to get meal inspiration from those people. I do it all the time, but I also know what my energy balance is. I didn't learn what my energy balance was until I was like 31. And I'd worked in the health and fitness industry for a long time. I'd always sort of taught classes on the side while working in finance for a good decent amount of time. And then before that, I worked in a gym. And when I worked in a gym, I actually still didn't know about my understanding energy. I thought at that point that I could like just train off what I ate because that was the kind of stuff that we were being fed then. We had a the diet culture situation going on, you know, when Kate Moss said things like nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. Thank goodness she's come out and apologized for that comment. I myself would have been guilty of saying things like, oh, well, skipping dinner, getting thinner, because that was something that was normalized. That was normalized in the media, that that was how you did things, that, you know, maintaining your ideal physique and body shape should have been done through restriction and punishment. So that's what we did for a really, really long time until we know better. But we only know better when we have the right nutrition knowledge or knowledge about what our body or energy requirements are. So another reason why I find that it can be difficult to stick to your chosen protocol is because it's unsustainable and there's a lack of education around it. What you might have thought about when you had done an eight-week challenge or something like that. And you're like, oh my gosh, I was on fire then. You know, I was doing all my gym classes and I was following this meal plan or I was getting these ready-made meals and that was the best shape I've ever been in in my life. But then you finish that challenge or that, you know, that plan protocol and slowly, slowly you just start putting weight back on. And you're like, I don't really know why this is happening. Oh, I better go and do another challenge. That's the only thing that works for me. Now, a lot of those programs are designed to get you results and that's good. And it does work in one sense that if you're an extremely busy person and you don't really want to know about how to balance your your energy, you can just follow that protocol and get the results that you want. However, the results you're going to get are only going to last as long as you can sustain the practices that got you there. So you still need to eat or maintain that calorie situation. And you also need to be able to be training that same level. Now, that's not always easy over a 12-month period. If you think about it, it's very rare that you get eight-week block in your life that you can dedicate everything to your health and fitness. Something will pop up. There'll be a wedding or a special occasion. And if you think about it, it's kind of sad to think that there might be special occasions in your life that you decide, oh no, this Christmas I'm not eating that because I'm on a diet. And we always tell everybody, like we need them to know so they don't pressure us into making decisions that actually are better for the other person. I'll go and just have another drink. 
oh, don't do that, have the cake, you know, even if that's not necessarily what we want. But if we're on a challenge or we're on a diet, everyone just seems to accept that that's an okay and perfectly acceptable answer. I'm here to tell you that no is an acceptable answer anyway. I like to teach my clients to eat for life and I also like to educate them on what their energy balance is and then how to make it flexible. I don't want anyone missing out on grandma's birthday cake. I don't care what health program it is that you're on. I want you to learn and understand what your energy balance is and then how to be flexible because you can have your cake and eat it too. And you'll always see different posts and things saying, you know, there's always got to be a 90-10 balance or an 80-20 balance. What's your 80 and what's your 20? If they're not telling you and you're not knowing, then when you're not on that protocol, you don't actually know what to do. Learn to eat for life. Education and knowledge is power because when you have the power over your choices, you could choose when and where you want to enjoy certain foods. And when you know how to do that with balance, you get the best of both worlds. You get to enjoy the occasion and then you get to go back and have your new normal and get the results that you want. Now, not only is obviously lack of knowledge and extreme restriction one of the reasons why people can't stick to their protocols, sometimes they fail to address any underlying issues. While we would like to think it is as simple as calories in and calories out, most of us probably know that it is not. There is a lot of other reasons that can influence our behaviors and our habits. And a lot of it has to do with emotional and psychological things that go on, or even some conditioning that happens in our lives. Now, think of it when you're in your early 20s, perhaps you went through a bit of a breakup or something like this, you know, and you're like, oh, I'm just going to go out. And you, you know, you end up getting really drunk and then you end up eating heaps of food. Now, it wasn't that that you set out to go, oh, that's the way that I have fun. Often it was because of what was going on at the time that you might end up, you know, drinking a little bit too much. Sometimes you just get carried away. But a lot of the time, if you're having like a stressful day and you come home, you're like, oh, I deserve a wine. We say that because we want to justify our behaviors, but we're not really addressing an underlying issue. Now, if you're on a meal plan or a challenge and you decide to have a glass of wine, whether that be for a celebration or, you know, for whatever other reason, you can feel like you have broken something or cheated on a plan, or you just feel guilty because you feel like you've made a wrong choice. Now, I like to teach my clients there's a time and place and context for all food. If it is your grandma's birthday, you probably want to enjoy the cake with her because you don't know how many times you're going to get to enjoy that beautiful celebration of life with her. And that's the reality of it. You should enjoy those occasions then. But there's a big difference to sitting down and having cake with your grandma than sitting down and having a bottle of wine and half a packet of chips because you've had a stressful day. Context is really important and conscious choices are really important. But either way, we're never bad people for consuming food. So when people are feeling like they're cheating on their diet or they have cheat days, it can create these emotional connections with food that aren't helpful. There's a lot of joy to be found in food, but when we create a sort of negative context between food or drink, it can be really, really damaging because then the next time you come into contact with stimulus, say for example, if you've had a bad day and you've come home and you've had you know, a glass of wine and your packet of chips, right? And you're made to feel guilty about that. The next time that you have a stressful day at work, you then may be going to have the same sort of behavior pattern and then feel bad about it again, rather than learning to understand what's triggering that behavior pattern and then maybe what would be a little bit more helpful both mentally and physically. When it comes to following meal plans like that, they do have the time and a place, much like if somebody really finds the benefits of fasting and they understand how to hit their macro and micronutrients and it works for them as an individual, absolutely great. If a meal plan works for you as an individual and you feel like you don't have those connections or underlying emotional and psychological things with food and drink, absolutely great. A meal plan may definitely work for you, especially if you are extremely busy and time poor. So there is a time and a place for everything. But I find that with majority of the women that I work with, 
following a meal plan 24-7 just isn't sustainable because we want to go out for brunch on the weekend with our friends. But then how do we do that if we don't know how much energy we're consuming at brunch? So it's worthwhile making sure that you've got that beautiful knowledge. And then you also don't want to feel restricted. No one wants to sit at brunch and be like, oh, I'm on a diet. Oh, sorry, I can't eat to one fasting. That requires a lot of effort and discipline to stick to those kind of protocols. Now, I find that a flexible approach is much better. It may take you longer to reach your result that you're after, but you're more likely to hold on to that result. Now, the final reason sort of links in with the last one is social and emotional factors. Hey, so touched a little bit on emotional eating, stress, boredom, and anxiety and other emotional factors can trigger overeating or cravings, particularly for unhealthy foods. Now, if we haven't addressed our underlying concerns, as soon as say you get your period or you've had a bad day or you feel like you've been, I'm putting like inverted quotation marks here, I've been good, then we allow ourselves to have something that we deem like a bad food or a treat food or a naughty food or a secret food when really it's just a sometimes food. If you have a really nice balanced diet, you have the choice and I mean we always have the choice of being able to choose when and where you want to enjoy certain foods. You are never naughty for eating food. You are never a bad person. You don't have to be good in order to earn your food. But a lot of the times because of our previous conditioning, if we're feeling particularly stressed, as humans we're designed to avoid discomfort. We don't like feeling the bad feels. So what do we do? We try and distract ourselves with food or with drink or whatever it happens to be. But really what we need to do is maybe just change our state a little bit. But we don't necessarily know this. And if you're on sort of a challenge or a meal plan, when you do get stressed and you may act on that behavior, then you feel guilty about it. And then you feel like you needed to have done it in secret. You might not even tell your coach because much like when I did a particular training program, I was graded a seven out of 10 because I decided to have two celebration drinks with my friend. And then And this is even after I'd done all the work that I'd done now, I decided to undertake a very well-known meal plan and training plan because I just wanted to see what it was about. I thought, you know what? I'm willing to give something else a try. You know, I know what I know. I can probably just, you know, I just want to see what's going on. Anyway, I got my meal plan and there wasn't a piece of fruit in sight. The meals were very small, which was not something I was used to. And my snacks were a Kit Kat and a Paddle Pop Cyclone. And I was like, wow, every day? And I was like, that's not something I want to eat. And that's because I had a different understanding of nutrition. So what I ended up doing, because I had the knowledge, I was able to understand, okay, that equaled, you know, X amount of calories. And I was able to exchange that for some fruit because I knew that fruit was going to be better for me in terms of nutrition and energy than a paddle pop cyclone and a Kit Kat. I also just wouldn't eat those foods on the regular. I might like have, I would have chocolate at least three or four times a week, but a Kit Kat wouldn't be my preference. Anyway, so when I told her about the two drinks, she said, oh, well, you know, that's a seven out of 10. Next week, I want you to try and be a 10. And I spent like a good 48 hours feeling like I disappointed someone and myself because I decided to deviate from the plan. And all of a sudden, I felt myself sort of like going back to these previous behavior patterns of this restriction reward. I need to follow this 100%. I'm going to get graded and I want to do better. That isn't that healthy to me, especially if you've had some sort of non-favorable eating behaviors or patterns in the past. You don't need to be graded on how you're eating, especially if For example, you don't need to be made to feel bad if you deviate from, you know, your regular normal because you had a bad day. You need to go, oh, what did I really need? What does my body need? Probably needs some nurturing. It probably needs a good conversation with someone. Maybe I need a really good cry, but you don't need to be made to feel bad for your food choice because you're never bad for eating food or fueling your body regardless of what the food is. It's always better to work on the underlying issues and understanding where the stress is coming from rather than being told you've got to do better next week to get a 10 out of 10. And so 
there are different reasons why things don't work out long term. And I would liken that particular experience to that's a lack of support. So instead of saying, oh, you know, that's okay, we could have factored those two drinks in, you know, you could have done this, this, and this, educating me, even though I knew because I was coming from a different background, but say I was somebody who didn't have my level of knowledge because this wasn't what I do for a job, you better off going, okay, there's about this much energy in those two drinks. The following day, what I would probably do just to balance that out is X, Y, Z. And then all of a sudden, you don't feel bad about the choice. It was enjoyed in the right context and you know how to balance it out. That's what I like to teach in my program. It's eating for life. Because all we want to do is find that balance. I often talk about how there's like this scale or seesaw, for example. And I like my clients to sit roughly in the middle of the seesaw. Now, to the left of the seesaw, you've got like your extreme, very healthy eating. Now, if you hit the the floor on that end of the seesaw, you're probably detracting from other areas of your health. You may not be socializing. You may like miss out on certain emotional things all that kind of stuff. So we don't want the seesaw to hit like that. I only eat what I eat. I never deviate from my plan. Then on the very, very right hand side of the scale, you have like your more ultra processed foods and, you know, lots of alcohol, things like that, things that aren't nourishing your body. We don't want the seesaw to hit that side either. What we want to do is roughly sit somewhere around the middle. Now, there are going to be days where we might take a few more steps towards that left side, you know, with our more whole foods and a little bit of balance, but we still don't want it to hit the floor. And then there may be a wedding. So we end up back in the middle. So there's our balance. Then there may be like, you know, Christmas and all of a sudden we're taking a few steps to the right side with more of our like sometimes food and processed foods, but we still don't want to get to the point where the seesaw hits the floor. We just find that nice little balance of making sure the seesaw never hits the floor on either end. And that requires sometimes we're a little bit healthier, sometimes we're a little bit more relaxed. And that's what I like to teach my clients. And it's all about making sure that we maintain that balance because that is what is going to give you the longevity. But without the right support around you, particularly if it's from your coach or your trainer, or maybe even your family or your friends, it can be incredibly difficult to stick to your chosen protocol. So you really do need a little bit of a community around you because otherwise we are the company we keep in a sense. If you have all your friends are, you know, like avid Pilates or gym goers or love walking and love the outdoors and hiking and bike riding, then you most likely will be that kind of person too. If you're the kind of people that connect over, you know, food or boozy nights out, then when you decide to maybe change your habits because you're trying to achieve a certain thing, it's going to feel a little bit harder. But if your friends are supportive of your choices because they understand why you're doing it, and that just takes some communication, then it's much easier to go, oh, you know what? I'm going to be designated Dave tonight. I'm going to drive. And when your friends realize that it's about you and what you're trying to achieve, they're usually very supportive. But sometimes, sometimes what can happen is that our friends can be resistant to us changing because they feel like it's reflecting on their own decisions. So when somebody's like, oh, go on, don't do that. Just have a piece of pizza, just do this. And you're like, no, no, I really don't want to. We use an excuse that we're on a diet or we're on a program. And for some reason that justifies it. And people are like, oh, okay, no worries. But if you just decide to eat healthy and you're saying, oh, I just decided to eat healthy, they're like, oh, that's weird. But no one ever comments when it potentially could be somebody sitting down to a really big and heavy meal. No one ever says, gee, that's a lot of food. Why are you eating all of that? That's not good for you. Then people just always have this opinion when you decide to change your behaviors, potentially in a more positive light. So you do need a bit of support, whether it's from family, friends, or a coach or community that can help you sustain your healthy choices. And if you look at it like this, you could be inspiring them to start making their own healthy balance choices as well, because quite often they will see the improvements that you're making and how much energy you have and how all of your choices are adding up and you're really, really thriving. And that can be an inspiration for them, not just to your friends, but also to your children. 
your children admire everything that you do. And they are like little sponges, just absorbing everything that we do. Now, one of the really important things is that they grow up knowing that there's a time and a place for all food. There's not naughty food. There's not sometimes food. They don't have to earn their food. Most of the time it's fuel, but sometimes there are certain occasions where it is a little bit more than that. That means that they're going to grow up not in the same environment we did, yay, and maybe have a little bit more of a balanced understanding of why they want certain foods into their body. It's really, really important to make sure that you do have a good support network and always make sure that you're tapping into the real reasons why you're doing these things. So my friends, these are the reasons why it might not have worked out in the past because it was restrictive, because there were fad diets, it was not sustainable, a lack of patience as well, because we live in this instant society. They might not have addressed underlying issues and there's also a lack of knowledge. So all of these things, tally them all up and how on earth were we supposed to be successful because the information wasn't there. So keep on tuning in, my friends. If you've got any questions on this podcast, please feel free to hit me up on socials. I'm always on Insta and Facebook and even on my website. I would love to hear from you and what you want me to talk about on this podcast because it is designed to help you on your journey and maybe debunk some of the stuff, the misinformation that is out there around the realms of health and fitness. Can't wait to bring you the next episode, my friends, and thank you very much for tuning in.